Anna. Nebraskan author Scott Howard joins us to talk about his highly relevant, well-researched book you won't find anywhere else, The Transgender Industrial Complex. This trans phenomenon is not a grassroots movement. Who is pushing this agenda on our children and why? Find out. Welcome, Scott Howard. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. So obviously Teen Wolf, this is a Teen Wolf reference. So uh, tell us, are you a fan of the movie Teen Wolf, which we just rewatched not too long ago? Yes, I, I, I'm definitely a fan. And uh, it, it's a slight nod to my, uh, I, I was a bit of a basketball player when I was younger. Um, and uh, it, it's a little bit of a nod to that as well. And um, I, I do like the, I, I do like the movie quite a bit. And uh, I think it also, has a, a very fun kind of wink and nod to this whole idea of the trans thing, right? Um, so I, I think it works on multiple levels. But yes, I'm more of a, I, I, I'm definitely more of a throwback in terms of uh, my tastes, I guess you could say. Yeah, oh, me too. All, all the new stuff is crap. We oftentimes watch 80s movies and then I talk to some kids that are 20. I'm like, hey, have you seen even something like Goonies? They're like, what? <laughs> Princess Bride, what? You know, it's funny. Yeah, we're getting old. Anyway, so Antelope Hill is proud to present its first original work, which you wrote, Scott Howard, the trans—I can't even say—the transgender industrial complex. Now, I went to Amazon, which it's still there, by the way, and you had some great reviews. I like this one, five out of five stars. Be prepared to throw it at the wall and rage. Exactly. Just because you're presenting so much good, vital information in it, and you have fun chapters in there, like men are from Mars, women have a penis. And climate of queer. I thought it was kind of fun. <laughs> and also you open up the, the book with this quote. It's the rush that the cockroaches get at the end of the world. Yeah, so there's a bunch of good stuff in there. Now we first have to address the need to remain private when discussing this book. Obviously, we're disguising your voice. So tell us about that. Yes, well, um, you know, part of the the essence of the whole project is, is and I mentioned this in, in the book, uh, I get into it a little bit in terms of basically creating this hive mind where they can whip these people up into a frenzy and send them at you for any kind of wrong think. And obviously this book is pretty much the mother load of wrong think. I mean, the transgender stuff, it, it is a segue to the transhumanist agenda that they're going forward with um, in terms of this reset and the nanotechnology and the so-called vaccines and all that other stuff. And so it's important for people to understand where we're going, but also where we're coming from. And so I try to address the history of the whole project and also the fact that this is a book that really gets into some of the most important frontiers for the ruling class and the things that they're pushing. And particularly, um, you know, I've been uh, kind of passively following the, I guess you could call it dissident right for quite some time now. And I, I didn't really want to, contribute anything that I didn't think was original or useful. And the more I saw this becoming pervasive and obviously the targeting of children just made my blood boil uh, because it's totally unacceptable, obviously. And uh, I just started digging into it and I just kept digging. Um, and I bring up quite a few inconvenient truths about who's financing it and why they're doing it and um, all of those sorts of things. So all of these these people they, they they're sort of the out uh, out facing phalanx i guess you could say of the hive that they send after you to try and destroy your livelihood obviously get the band 
get the book banned, get me banned off Twitter. All that stuff hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure <laughs> they're going to try. Um, and all of that is basically designed essentially to shut you up. And unfortunately, in a rational society, I could say, look, they're grooming kids, they're mutilating kids, and they're creating the next generation of even more psychotic individuals who, um, you know, this is all by design. And, and as I point out in the book early, they are, are literally stunting the growth and development of these kids. They're, they're even their IQs and things like that. So they're actually quite literally dumbing down the population in addition to preying on and mutilating kids. And I mentioned one of the major things about it, the inconvenient fact that so much of it has to do with sexuality, not gender, um, and does revolve around things like grooming of particularly, you know, homosexuals of, of younger kids. And these are things that are absolutely true uh, and, and provable, as I show in the book. It's, it's, it's very well sourced, and I wanted to make sure I didn't have anything open to question as far as its validity. No, it's but. it's very hard hitting, very important. And there's no other book like this out there. I mean, you name names, you go deep into uh, the history, some of the origin points, some of, some of the groups behind this, which is very very important. Now, I think we should back up a little bit because nowadays it's just trans, trans, trans. It really hit hard a few years ago, and it's just intensifying. And suddenly, everyone thinks like you have a chapter in your book. You know, all my friends are going trans, right? Uh, everyone thinks now they're another sex. Now, how how did this begin? Where did this begin? This like trans craze suddenly everyone thinks they're trans well uh, the kind of the the general thrust of the history of it anyway is that um it originated as a kind of a social theory a very fringe social theory and i try to trace the history of it back as far as i can for our purposes in um in the modern world it probably can be dated to the 14th century but really um it doesn't take root until the late 19th mostly early 20th in in germany and it kind of migrates to the united states with the frankfurt school and a lot of these people uh, a lot of fringe communist groups in the 30s and it still remains very much a fringe movement until we start to see the normalization of both feminism and homosexuality and one of the major things is of course with feminism as we know is just turning women into cogs in the machine and mm. basically feminizing women. Um, and then with the homosexuality agenda on the other side, demasculinizing men. And as I point out, basically, uh, I believe it's two weeks after the legalization of gay marriage nationally in the United States, you see Bruce Jenner on the cover of Vanity Fair. So it's pretty much a seamless handoff with the foundations being built for some time beforehand. Um, it really accelerates around um, the 1990s, I would say, and it really doesn't hit fever pitch until probably the last five to eight years. And that's where the money and the funding and the attention to it really intensifies as well. Yeah, no, there we were showing the picture of the first, well, I mean, could you call it the first? I, I know it's also in Germany, but the Danish, the Danish girl, what's her name? Well, it was a, a man. The first trans woman, Lily, Lily Ebb, Elba, right? A Danish painter and a transgender woman, right? That there was a movie called The Danish Girl, and they were kind of celebrating this story. And you, you talk about this story a little bit too, right? Yeah, and, and she, I think she, she well, you see how ridiculous this stuff gets. So, uh, uh, whatever the uh, Einar, uh, whatever Lily's original name was, whatever dies, um, 
with uh, I think they try to transplant a uterus or something Uh, it's something just just preposterous and and you know the thing is they didn't understand really the hormonal aspect of it I think if memory serves until um, there's a guy named Harry Benjamin in the United States who starts injecting patients with estrogen I think in the 40s uh, and coupling that with the surgical procedures, which then take off with uh, Christine Jorgensen. Um, it's, and actually, hilariously, uh, Louis Farrakhan wrote uh, and performed a Calypso song about Jorgensen called Is She Is or Is She Ain't, which I reference in the book, which is just absurd. <laughs> uh, but the media celebrates it. Oh, the woman who's now a man. But it's more like a freak show curiosity than anything else. Um, not... Uh, anything to be necessarily um, I guess celebrated certainly it is to be celebrated but not necessarily anything that we would recognize as uh, kind of the modern Bruce Jenner thing is more curiosity than anything else um, I mean but oddly, yeah uh, sorry go on it's just disgusting thinking that there there were doctors you know early 1900s late 1800s are like why not let's let's just play around with the human body and see if we can just change it up a little bit you know see if we can <laughs> make men women and women well mostly in the beginning he was making men into women right yeah and i think uh today it remains more so that um for whatever reason i'm, I'm not actually sure why that is the case but it, it, as I mentioned, it does go along with this idea of sort of the transhumanist agenda, because the idea is that you can modify yourself or become something else that's totally divorced from reality. And obviously, the next step will be to just upload your brain into the cloud or something, um, which is what they want to do with the Internet of Things and all the World Economic Forum stuff, the reset stuff. Oh, yeah. um, and as I, I, I illustrate in the conclusion of the book, I don't want to give too much away because I, I I, I'm excited for people to read it and see how I basically feed the transgender agenda into the reset and the stuff that's going on now, but they have to understand that it's all of a piece and it's the same actors who are doing it for a reason. Oh, it's very, exactly. And it's very important. Actually, part of the Great Reset, we've been covering that a lot here on Red Eyes, and they talk about gender equality and trans rights and all that. It's all weaved into it, you know, so all these pieces are starting to come together. Uh, There was also, just recalling, the first sex change operation in history, I just saw this before, a German-Israeli, get get this, insurance salesman, the long-forgotten story of a German Jew who was born as Martha and escaped the Nazis as Karl, rediscovered by a Tel Aviv University student, you know, so this this kind of stuff has been going on uh, for quite a while, but now today they're taking it as far as just cutting balls off removing penises, removing breasts, and this is self-mutilation. This is a horror show. I mean, this is freaky, freaky stuff, and we're supposed to celebrate it. So, I mean, in your research, when did this kind of education really start seeping in that people are now accepting, you know, cutting your balls and your dick off is something to celebrate? Uh, well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, I would say probably... Um, it really becomes much more seriously institutionalized, probably in the fifties to the sixties. Um, most interest. So here's one thing that's, that's fairly interesting about it is that this money that we mentioned is the same money who was at Johns Hopkins, who, which was one of the pioneering institutions for Dr. John money. Uh, that is. Yeah. Yes, um, which is which is one of the pioneering institutions, Johns Hopkins, for the 
uh, transgender research and operations. And of course, Johns Hopkins is also still very active in terms of the Great Reset and the COVID numbers. If you notice that anything, uh, the figures are always uh, routed through Johns Hopkins and they were part of that event 201 in 2019 with the Gates Foundation, which has all involvement in all the vaccines and the hormonal things as well. So once again, it all connects, but um, also would be out at Stanford, which has a lot of uh, connection to the artificial intelligence things we're seeing now. But I would say it really takes off um, as a quote unquote medical discipline in the 60s and then more as a serious, uh, and I use serious in the way they think of it, not the way I think of it, uh, academic discipline in the 70s as a, as a more of a separate um, uh, social phenomenon or cultural phenomenon, if you want to think of it in that way. Um, and then as far as like actual trans theory that goes beyond queer theory, uh, in gender, we're looking at Judith Butler, probably late eighties, early nineties. So it's still quite young, um, in the way that it's pushed upon us. Although the way the media tries to retcon it is of course, that it's something that's always been around and this sort of thing, but really it was very fringe and something not a lot of people were even really aware of until very recently, I would say. Now we have to say, uh, Dr. John Money, this is really important, this story, just want to summarize it a little bit, because he's one of the first people to bring us these terms like gender identity, gender role, sexual orientation, uh, and that's why the subject of, you know, gender identity and roles today are so messed up, because of this guy, I'll tell you. Uh, now, Dr. John Money, doctor, <laughs> there was a story of uh, David Raymer, and he also had a twin brother. Now, I guess there there was a botched circumcision, another reason to not circumcise your little boys, but there was a botched circumcision, and then Dr. John Money convinced the parents, hey, I know what, we'll just make him into a girl. Started giving him hormones, this different uh, surgical procedures on his uh, penis to make him, uh, to make it look more like a vagina. Now this kid, obviously he grew up, screwed up and tormented and conflicted and he told these horrible stories about Dr. John Money, how very uh, sexual, inappropriate things that the, this doctor was doing to him and his brother, even encouraging them to engage in sexual acts together and all this. Uh, they were suicidal, these boys. They went through utter hell and then years later, David Raymer reverted back to, you know, his true biological sex, a, a male, and he was speaking out against Dr. John Money. And Dr. John Money, what did he say? Oh, you're, you're transphobic and you're anti-feminist and all this. I mean, this is how evil they are. You know, after experimenting on this poor kid for so many years uh, and his twin brother ended up killing himself. He took too many uh, – he took a antidepressant prescription drugs and killed himself because of this guy. Now, this is the guy, the guy that can experiment on kids this way is the guy who's talking about gender equality and gender roles. And it's, I mean, it came from his messed up head. So I don't like to use the phrase gender roles, but instead I like to use biological or sex because, you know, guys like Dr. Money, they use these words, uh, the, the word gender misleadingly, right? Because they can do it on purpose because it is an artificial construct that can be bent, unlike talking about biological sex or male or female, correct? What do you think? Right, right, exactly. And that's um, part of the reason I, I really started the book out through debunking all of these things, whether it be the whole hysteria around uh, epidemic of trans violence, which is totally laughable. Um, and usually it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's like a sixth of the general homicide rate in the United States for trans people. So they're like the safest group, <laughs> uh, in the country, basically. Um, and, um, it, 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 
starts out, I, I talk about intersex and this idea that basically somehow that represents um, a, a variation on biological sex, which then obviously invalidates in their view, um, biological sex, which paves the way for gender. But the thing is, intersex people are still either male or female. Yeah, so exactly. it is a- exactly. And they choose, they, <laughs> they choose whether they're going to go male or female. They don't choose from 50 different genders and options. And even when people are trans, what do they do? Oh, they want to become male or female. I mean, there really isn't any other options. They think they're creating something else, but they're not. It's just a guy in heels or a girl uh, growing hair on her chest to be like a guy. And the percentage of people that are intersex is, is actually very small. And there's a lot of studies about the impacts of estrogen mimicking chemicals in our environment, which is creating these effects because it's doing it in, in animals as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Right. Oh, absolutely. And and the environmental factors I mentioned are very important, um, particularly because you have those estrogen mimicking factors. So you have, for example, uh, males with lower um, uh, endogenous um, testosterone levels than they normally would have, which, of course, if we look at our friend now, this is maybe not the most um, mainline view of things, but I think that if anyone wanted to, any male wanted to supplement with uh, hormones to offset that. Obviously, they would have to pay through the nose for it through a clinic because it was actually legal for personal use until I think 1990, when, believe it or not, uh, it was actually Joe Biden led the campaign. Oh, wow. uh, picked them all, uh, basically, whatever the highest classification uh, of narcotics is. Um, now, they are illegal to get in, in that way, but you can go to a doctor and, and do it for sort of uh, what they call TRT and that kind of thing. But um, the the point that you could sort of counterbalance what is being unnaturally done to you to get a more reasonable equilibrium uh, has basically been criminalized and it all has to go through these particular channels where, um, you know, they'll, they'll upcharge you by like 500%. And these are the same companies, though, that are also uh, invested in all of the hormonal things for the transgender uh, f- movement or phenomenon or what let's call it astroturf gaslighting job really um and, and they want you to pay for it so there's big money in it. and of course the big money aspect that's why it's the transgender industrial complex now there's obviously um an ideological aspect and and as we were saying before we started uh recording of course there is the the e- pure evil aspect of it and this john money is one uh, exemplar of that fact that these are corrupted evil people and they at best have this sort of faustian bargain with knowledge where they they find the the um impulse to operate on people children even and use them as guinea pigs out of i guess scientific curiosity if they want to frame it that way but really it's it's a deep corruption there's something within them that is just um foul and and this as i state many cases in the book this is no territory for children but of course they are pushing it hardest on children Um, they're easier to indoctrinate obviously uh and it goes along with different hormonal manipulations and things that they want to observe and experiment on um and it goes it's the same reason that we should all be skeptical of the same people uh trying to put these so-called mrna vaccines that have no (laughs) uh, real basis to it in us i mean it's the same exact people and so i linked in you know pfizer pfizer is going to come out with a with an mrna vaccine and they're the same people that are behind this transgender 
uh, agenda among many other organizations and NGOs and governments and such as well. But it's the same thing um, regarding the reset and the climate stuff and all of it. As you mentioned, they link it all together. Uh, it's all under the same umbrella and it's the same people. They just have different front groups and ways that they phrase things to get people on board with their project and get them plugged into their central uh, I guess mainframe is how I would put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder how many of them are actually conscious of exactly all these pieces they're they're putting together and really pushing this trans thing and going into transhumanism. Uh, how conscious are they that they're steering society into that future, that, or that's the kind of future that they want, that they want to manipulate kids? What do you think? I mean, are, are there... Because you've been really studying the groups. Like, how many groups do you think are really in the know of uh, how pushing this kind of agenda would benefit them for thinking in terms of, like, control in the future? Um, I would say probably somewhere... Uh, I, would, I would say a very small number. Um, I, I maybe, all told, individual-wise, a, a couple thousand, maybe, Um uh, you know, I think the people who are meeting at Davos and the people who are the executive directors of a lot of these major organizations, these people probably know. I think I kind of look at it in terms of like a military hierarchy. I think the people at the very top know what it is that they're doing and how it consciously feeds into their overall goals. I think uh, I, I don't give the benefit of the doubt to any of these like Soros type people or Klaus Schwab or any of these people because I think that they they simply must know what they're doing unless there's some, uh, I don't know if you want to call it like a dark energy or something that's directing them that they're not really aware of as kind of a subconscious uh, corrupting force of some sort. But I think generally speaking, anyone who's at the top, you simply must accept that they're on board with this project and how it all works. And I think it's only the kind of junior level people and the uh, so-called activists that don't understand that they're doing the bidding of this small coterie of individuals who are, uh, again, many of them sort of transhumanist type figures. You know, you have your Peter Thiel, for example. He's a, a prominent, uh, you know, homosexual who also is involved in data mining operations, but he also gets blood transfusions from young men. Uh, yeah. The guy's, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he's, he, and uh, he's one of the organizers of this thing called... Um, uh, I, I just found it actually in my research today. It's called the Singularity Summit. Mm -hmm. um, this is basically this whole thing with the Ray Kurzweil and all these people about mm -hmm. uh, fusing themselves with technology. Basically, their goal is they want to live forever. Ugh, what hell? What a nightmare. Well, look at this. Yeah, see there? Yeah. So these are, um, you know, these are the kinds of people we're talking about. These are deeply corrupted, very sinister people who are aware of what they're doing and this kind of experimentation on people benefits them because they have more data that they can work with. Uh, they also have a phalanx of ideologues that will do their bidding and can be sicked against, going back to the very first question you asked me about, you know, disguising my voice, that can be sicked against people like me who, you know, I'm a little old homesteader from Nebraska who they want to come after and say, you know, you, uh, you know, you're evil. You're you're oppressing us. And how am I oppressing people? <laughs> you're growing food. Damn it! Stop oppressing them. Stop being a man. Your mere presence is oppression. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> it, it's true. 
they're they're starting with this the trans kids and ultimately get them young, right? Get them to be thinking beyond being a male or female. Uh, think and and also I would think depopulation in a way because they're not going to be having kids when they're like this, right? Get the population <laughs> down, and then it goes into a transhumanist thing, which let's face it, that will make people easy to control because when you're a homesteader, when you're a human, when you're in touch with the forces of nature and all these natural powerful forces you're harder to control right yes exactly and that and that's one of the things that i mentioned as well these are the same people talking about controlling the food supply and those are the ones who are using different technologies to try and manipulate the food supply they're the ones who are uh dumping these so-called forever chemicals into uh the environment um i believe it's called pfos or pfos i forget the exact name for it but it's basically a forever chemical that uh, contributes to cancer, and I read a study that um, I wish I could give credit to where it originated from, but basically the idea is like every person in America has some level of it inside of them already. Uh, so they have actually polluted the environment and, uh, you know, they manipulate the food supply and, and, and de denutrate, um, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for, basically they remove the uh, nutritive content of the food that we consume um, they don't want us to eat meat once again, especially red meat, because for men that has fat soluble vitamins and creatine and protein, and it helps build musculature. And obviously testosterone in men makes them much more, uh, you know, the, the stereotype is aggressive, but it's not necessarily aggressive. It's more assertive and more um, linear in their problem solving and thinking. And when they their, their thinking becomes clouded by estrogen and in, introducing estrogens in men, obviously. bitchy and crabby and whiny. <laughs> Exactly. And they start uh, marching around with refugees welcome signs. And <laughs> this is what happens. So that's well. Yeah. Then, then that meme won't be so far off about the uh, U.S. military, right? I think uh, Biden was just putting a trans person and a woman in charge of like Department of Defense or something. So it's not that far off when the U.S. Army will literally be dropping dildos in countries to bring them, you know, uh, gay rights and all this stuff, right? Yeah, dropping no, dildos from the sky. It's funny you say that because it's not even that much of a joke. I mean, no. I say, uh, um, you know, first of all, one of the first things that the U.S. insisted upon when they um, overthrew the regime in Iraq was having gender quotas in the parliament. Uh, and, you know, and, and uh, BAE Systems out of the U.K., which is uh, one of the largest contractors with the U.K., uh, has been supplying Saudi Arabia with munitions as they go and then bomb the Yemenis into oblivion. So you're really not that far off from them, uh, you know, dropping uh, dildos on top of people with a warhead on it, too. Um and, uh, and uh, you know, I use a, a pretty hilarious, it's hilarious uh, sort of in a tragic comic way is the CIA uh, or the U.S. intelligence has its own sort of pride network and all of these things. So it's really not that far off, actually. That's a scary thing. It is. That, that, that's freaky. And, you know, let's face it, most of the rest of the world looks at this stuff and is just like, what? A bunch of freaks over there. You know, it's really more prevalent, I think, in the West, although they're trying to change that and trying to condition, you know, trying to get into these other countries and push these uh, dildo trans values there, too. But let's get into the aspect of how this whole movement, this whole trans movement, it's they, they are trying to lead us to believe that it's some kind of a grassroots organic movement of these uh, trans people who just want to be empowered and they want equality and civil rights. But of course, that's not true. So get into the aspect. I know you gave a couple examples how this is a fake grassroots movement i mean there's actually a lot of money and orgs behind this movement 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Huge amounts. Um, they basically what you have are a couple of major organizations essentially seeding money out to uh, literally hundreds and thousands of other uh, NGOs and uh, other organizations that are basically staffed by um, so-called activists. And so, for example, um, in Europe, it tends to take a much more governmental driven format. Um, whereas in the United States, it tends to be much more of the private sector, but you see people um, basically taking the lead on this and giving uh, huge sums of money to dozens, hundreds, thousands of different groups. Um, and so you see things like the Arcus Foundation, which is this guy, John Stryker, who is uh, homosexual, and he's also an heir to a biomedical device fortune. So yeah, there you go. Um, oh, <laughs> And, and it makes all the sense in the world when you start looking at those things and seeing the connections of how they, um, uh, where they're deriving their funding from. So what's good about the organizations is uh, this actually make the research easy for me, although it's time consuming, is, is they will have to list their funders as far as where they're getting the money from. So you have to have a tolerance for wading through annual reports and IRS documents, which apparently I do somehow. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's that whole, uh, the, the whole joke of the, of the dissident right, uh, weaponized autism. So there you go. <laughs> uh, open society foundations documents for hours upon hours and try to make those connections. But, uh, I wanted to show to people it's not grassroots. That's why I keep saying AstroTurf. It's not natural. Yeah, it's, I know. And also this the science we keep being told the science behind it. I saw the was, there's this video on YouTube the other day, and it was this trans person was going to explain the science of being trans. The, the the very people that believe that men can have periods and can get pregnant are now the ones telling us about the science of uh, gender and gender roles. What do you think about that? Oh yeah, it's it's hilarious, and and uh, I had a few of these uh, clowns on Twitter telling me, well, you don't understand the science. It's like, well, then apparently I don't understand the science. But what I can tell you is you using, you know, social theory, critical, queer theory, whatever is, is not the science. Okay. And so the idea is, um, but the thing is they're getting directives. And I, as I mentioned, all the way up to the United Nations saying stuff like, you know, if you're a two spirit person or all these other things, um, once again, trying to, to link to all of the different aspects like decolonization, the anti-colonialism, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the, the science is what they say it is. It's the same thing with this climate change business. You know, you're headed towards a grand solar minimum, but they're telling you the planet's heating up. Well, That's right. the planet's not heating up. They just want us to de-industrialize. And so I think it ties into what you had mentioned about um, getting a, a, uh, a probably a managed reduction of particular populations, I would say, though, actually, I think it's a managed reduction, whereas you look in other countries like uh, Niger, where they average like eight children per It's exploding, woman. yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. let's be frank here. It's the European population that they want to depopulate. That's the one that stands in the way here. The other ones, they don't care. They're having tons of kids. I mean, eventually they'll get to them, but that's not the uh, number one priority right now. Anyway, go on. Right, right, absolutely, and I think that that's one of the things is that you know we're more difficult to uh, manage in terms of we have expectations about our governments and what they are supposed to be doing for us, and I think that you don't have those traditions in a lot of other cultures, which makes them easier to dictate terms to. 
Um, and part of it is they also have the infrastructure uh, in the Western countries that they can basically, in their minds, just plug people into while working on, um, you know, subjugating the other areas of the globe. And at, at least in the neoliberal model, uh, it had been basically get the populations of Europeans declining and then supplement them with uh, people from the equatorial world by saying, you know, oh, well, you know, doing the jobs and all, all the nonsense everyone's always used to hearing. Um, but the goal is, of course, and I mentioned this in the book, which is really fascinating, is when you look at the actual studies of which populations identify as uh, trans and homosexual whites are actually the lowest, hmm. um, which is really fascinating. So you see consistently uh, the highest numbers of uh, identifying homosexual and transgender in the black community, and then for the whites, it's the lowest. And that's why I think you see in the media the push on whites the hardest, because with a lot of these things, we are the most reluctant to buy into it. Um, and so the reality doesn't match the thing on television. If you see, it's almost always like a catty gay white guy. Oh yeah. In um, <laughs> the reality doesn't, doesn't bear that out. Um, and that's the use of propaganda and media. So that's another thing too, is we're, we're, uh, we're also um, among the least likely to date outside our race. So it's the same sort of thing. Um, we are, we are problem children from their perspective and that we're the least likely to really get on board with this whole globalism trans agenda thing. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's all good. Now, sex education is a weapon. You get into this in your book. Uh, I know other people kind of address this a little bit, but people don't think of, oh, how could sex education be a weapon? How could using sex be a weapon to control and subvert people? So how about you explain a little bit about that to people? <laughs> Uh, sure, sure, of course. So, well, in keeping with my obvious love of the 1980s, I took a Pat Benatar song, uh, Sex as a Weapon, and added education in there uh, for the title. And then essentially what I wanted to do was show that this is not localized, that this is in fact globalized. And obviously my attentions are on the Western peoples because I'm a European descent. So uh, what happens in places like Iceland and Andorra are not things that are on people's radar, but I wanted people to see that in places as far afield as Iceland, Andorra, Croatia, um, the globalist establishment is pushing this stuff and they are pushing it on children. And as I mentioned, in places like Iceland and in Lithuania, you're seeing people charged with hate speech for uh, speaking out against the implementation of this in grade school agendas. Um, and they don't have, uh, I believe it was in Iceland, they arrested like 10 people on charges of hate speech for objecting to a, a local uh, grade school being taught about the trans stuff. And then these schools bring in, uh, Norway as well. And you see um, these NGOs are brought in by uh, the schools, which are in many cases funded by the governments, again, much more so in Europe, funded by the governments and by uh, the European Union. Uh, and they come in and they actually give these so-called classes to the students where uh, the things they talk about, actually, I talk about a uh, an organization in Norway called Skiv Ungdom, uh, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> forgive me for butchering that. Close but, enough, yeah. Um, <laughs> close enough. Uh, essentially, um, they have a whole subset of their website that talks about how BDSM is a good practice and it's good to teach children about it. Uh, in fact, uh, I'll read it right here from their website. Uh, the Ski of Ungdom, they say, 
the young BDSM believes that BDSM and fetishism have a natural place in our struggle against the norms to limit people's ability to live free and secure lives on their own terms. So these are the these are the organizations being brought into schools by the uh, Norwegian school systems, public school systems, and teaching children about uh, about the health of transgenderism and about the health of sex education. When in reality, we see the things that they're pushing, and that, again, they consistently come back to sexuality, not gender, which belies the lie of oh, it's about the different genders. No, it's about uh, well, it's about many things, as we mentioned, about grooming people uh, for not just sexual exploitation and weird kicks and all that kind of stuff, but also to play into their overall agenda. Yeah. And that overall agenda is a sick one. You look at, as I mentioned, Peter, people like Peter Thiel, the, the guy is basically a vampire. Man, this is abusive, you know, and I hear, we hear stories in America all the time of kids at age five, they're learning about this kind of stuff. They shouldn't be hearing about sex at all. And now they're learning and being confused about, oh, you could be all these genders and maybe you are a girl. Are you sure you're not a girl? Are you sure you're not a boy? Like they're confusing them and getting in there. I mean, this is abusive. Imagine being a kid sitting there learning all that stuff. And then on top of it, you're getting, oh, oh, white people are bad. You should feel ashamed for your white skin. You know, so they're they're hating who they are, who their race is. They're confused about their sexuality. I mean, this is a child abuse, absolute abuse. And and it's, they're going to grow up and be completely unhealthy, uh, no, no sense of well-being, uh, very confused about who they are. And then they're getting hit with all this propaganda. See how easy it is to manipulate someone in, in that you know, and then people also talk about, you know, like pushing sex a lot as a, a form of, well, basically keeping you in your lower chakra, if you will. Right. So you're just kind of a slave to, to those senses all the time. And as we see that with liberals, that's what they want us to do. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And that, I think that is really the key is the carrot and the stick model doesn't really work if you don't have those vices that they can exploit. And. I think part of it, too, is if, if we're talking about transgender people, obviously they have to have a ready supply of hormones in order to have their biological, un, it's unnatural, of course, but the stasis that they're uh, accustomed to, otherwise they start reverting back. Um, yeah, that's just it. Cause... One, one solar flare takes everything out. They can't get their uh, medications anymore. They're going to start growing hair on their chest again, and their voice is going to change. And so it's it's completely unnatural. I don't know how they're acting. Oh, this is totally natural. It just takes like massive amounts of drugs every day to keep them to be that way and all these like crazy surgeries and stuff. But it's okay. I'm celebrating the real me, right? The real me by uh, massacring my body and taking these shots every day. I mean, I can't believe people buy this stuff. You know, it's outrageous. It's it's unbelievable, and I, I think you're right, and I always kind of uh, have a little chuckle to myself when I think about all these transhumanists uploading their minds to the cloud, and then you have a solar flare that wipes them all out. And suddenly, oh, well, you're <laughs> yes, maybe that's the plan in the future. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll be like you homesteading, we'll just be waiting in our agrarian life, just wait for all this to go full circle, and eventually, you know how the story ends, it's going to go down eventually and then it's going to be the you know the amish <laughs> they're still there the people like us toiling the back to toiling the fields you know uh, you know it's funny that uh that you say that but i truly believe that is what's going to happen eventually the uh tech regime um will collapse uh it will become too over complex and there will be a brain drain as we see uh i mean if you're trying to dumb down the population you're not going to be able to have people to run it in the future now the catch to that is, of course, that they're trying to develop the AI so that they don't need people. 
Um, they want to get to this post-human future where basically all of us plebs down here are, are irrelevant. They don't even have to deal with us. They don't need us to exploit for labor um, or even consumer goods because they have control of the whole roost through this mechanized, weird, kind of augmented future that they're looking at. And I think that that... Um, you know, we've looked at a lot of the developments over the last 150 years, and as we see things like organized labor uh, in countries like Australia and the, in the United States and Canada have been a major bulwark against immigration uh, and keeping wages high. And what they want to do with this new Klaus Schwab, I've been reading both of his most recent books, actually, and he talks about as the uh, on-demand economy, which, of course, doesn't have any worker protections because you're treated as a contractor, and there's no loyalty to you, and so your livelihood is constantly on a on a thread. And then, of course, um, you know, tie, again tying back to what we've touched on a few times already, uh, the idea that if you run afoul of the orthodoxy, they will come out and make sure that you can't survive in this system. Mm, yeah. And I think the thing with the whole digital currency and a lot of these things. Okay, so you get on the digital currency if you're not on board, if you don't get the vaccine, if you run afoul of the regime in some way you can't use the digital currency so now you can't have a source of income you can't buy food you can't get uh you can't hold a job but you also can't collect unemployment that's what they're trying to do mm -hmm. to make it so that we can't exist outside of the system and we have to comply exactly and that's part of this whole lockdown thing we've been talking about basically crushing the economy these mom and pop play you know stores making them dependent on the government and then they can have all these conditions to get your measly little universal basic income that they're going to wheel out right instead of uh, replacing welfare or whatever but you have to take the shots and you can't say this and you have to go to these workshops and I mean it's never going to end and then ultimately it's going to be yeah what do they want it seems like these elites at the high up they want to be gallivanting around the world uh, look you know with their women that are like super super feminine and all this stuff and men that can be masculine but underneath they want like this basically make these humans uh, plebes like an alien kind of race it's like no race no sex no connection to anything this weird being that will just get in the pod eat the bugs you know how have fun in their virtual reality and do whatever they're told. I mean, it really is going, it seems like it's veering off into two kinds of humans. We've been talking about this for a long time, but it really does come together with all this trans stuff, transhumanist stuff, uh, the, the great reset. Like we're, we're seeing the beginnings of that. What do you think? Yes, I, I think so. And I think that's one of the reasons that um, people have already attacked me for this is because first of all, I'm basically a nobody. I mean, you know, I've been on Twitter for like two months and I have people... <laughs> coming after me this is my first book uh and i'm already uh, going viral within the so-called like activist uh sphere these heron greensmiths and rabbi danya ruttenberg and these other blue checks coming after me and the little little minions um of course not having read the book they read a review of the book uh and, and come after me and it's it just shows how ridiculous and intellectually lazy they are but also scarily how easy they are to program and that's that hive mind, so they can send the hive against us to to, uh, uh, to destroy anyone who sort of dissents from this orthodoxy. Um, but I think that that is the key here, um, and I think I may have inadvertently, when I set out to write this, touched on something that this is such a key central fixture of their uh, agenda, that if we don't push back against this, then it opens up into all of the other transhumanist stuff. So this, uh, the acceptance of this, uh, decoupling. We've already sort of seen it with a number of other things. Uh, you see how they try to do it with race. Um, only certain races, though, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, see how they try to do it with um, now with this 
sex, which then becomes gender, and then it becomes agender, and then, you know, there's it, there's nothing there, period, and you can be whatever the hell you want. Uh, once again, only subject to things like sexuality and vice. So, yeah, you eat your disgusting little bugs, and uh, I saw the World Economic Forum was tweeting something out the other day, uh, we, we're going to have to stop fishing because it disrupts the ocean, the ocean captures carbon. Okay, so there you go. So you can't even be a pescatarian uh, in this new order. you got to eat your little grubs oh, and, and stuff. You know what else disrupts yeah. the ocean? All their gender-bending chemicals that they're pumping into their <laughs> these people's arms every day. Ah, uh, yeah, the plastics these and everything fake, else. Yeah, they're fake bullshit environmentalists. You know, it always pisses me off. It's like they ignore the huge, big pollutions that they they seem to be okay with, right? But then it's like, oh, you're using too much water or you can eat that fish. They basically don't want anything that's good for you, that's completely natural, that's that's human, that keeps you grounded to anything real. They want to strip away all of those things, all of those things. And you see that with the the Great Reset, which is basically global communism uh, and, and like some kind of for some kind of new alien human hybrid. You know, it's just completely unnatural. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, we see other things like, uh, you know, the soy, which again is terrible for you and um, is actually really harmful for the environment to grow the stuff on mass scale. You know, they don't care about that, obviously. Uh, if they did, they wouldn't have these mecha farms and they wouldn't make it illegal to film the factory farms that they have where they treat animals deplorably. I mean, they want to have their Kobe steaks and their really high-end stuff, but the rest of us, you know, it's that bifurcation. They want us to go back basically to feudalism. Uh, until they can just sort of outsource humanity altogether and they'll just have this kind of uh, global playground where they can do whatever they want. And, um, you know, not only are we not subservient, we kind of don't really exist as human anymore, yeah. if at all. And uh, testosterone stands in their way, right? Because they want these guys feminized because these, you know, men can take care of business and put an end to some of these things, fight back, you know? So then you start thinking in terms of all these rights, like, you know, LGBTQP, trans, whatever. Oh, just equal rights. We just want to be treated like humans. We just want fairness. We just want, and of course, we, we see that it's not about that now. It's about power conquest pushing their way taking over and the elites let it happen because ultimately i do think it is a war on testosterone it is a war on straight men because they are the ones who can put a, a stop to this what do you think so it's about like marketing this whole thing to people to just kind of accept accept the low t you know yes yes absolutely and you see things like uh you know, what are the lockdowns? Well, you can't go train at the gym. You can't. And then they made it unbelievably expensive to buy home uh, fitness equipment. So you can't train in that capacity. Well, you're driving people off any kind of manual work. So they're not getting exercise or they're not in touch with um, that aspect whatsoever either. Um, and so they're basically just decoupled from anything physical at all. Uh, and, and I do think it is that war on testosterone because it does make you, as I said, more assertive. Um, and it does make you more cognizant of the need to protect yourself and your friends and your family. And if you are in this kind of weird stasis where you're not really, you're certainly not a man anymore. You're not a woman because you're, you're not, you, you just can't be. Um, you're in this sort of weird half uh, like purgatory of like pseudo uh, androgynous who knows what. And obviously that is, is great for them because that's, that's right where they want you. Um, and so this is sort of the thing, if you deprive men of masculinity and women of femininity, so women um, also have their strengths that are very important as far as, you know, complementary. And that's the thing that they set up men and women as, as oppositional, but they're complementary. Um, and if you erase that and kind of blur it together in this like mass of humanity, 
um, what have you got? Yeah, exactly. And and part of that also is interfering with the family unit. How many times do we see that, especially white ones, you know, <laughs> the white family unit, right? It supports white supremacy and all this. So we have to tear it down, you know, having a mommy and a daddy and kids and like taking care of them and living in a nice little uh, nice neighborhood is a uh, it's an evil, awful thing now. We need to tear that down. So ultimately, yeah, they don't even they don't even want kids being raised by these people because it, it's it's a. Uh, remembering it's instilling something that's very natural human based it's a very powerful thing and it really stands in the way like they they don't want people married they don't want people having families they just want uh just total degeneracy of this strange <laughs> i just can't believe sometimes some of the, the the things that they're pushing where it's like this kind of strange human being human-esque being that they're they're pushing and some of these people are just accepting it a lot of people are just accepting it why do you think that is or are they really or do we just think a lot of people are accepting it because of the media? But uh, how do most people you think feel about this around the world when they're presented with some of these? Well, I think um, a lot of people do go along with it. And a lot of people are so um, oversaturated with media that they just sort of accept everything that they're told. And now another reason they go and they want to get kids is because they can shape their minds. So if you have an ahistorical view if you don't regard yourself as being a part of anything, of having any kind of tangible identity, then you're very plastic and you're very easy for them to be able to manipulate and control. And I think that for a huge number of people, I don't know if it's a majority, but I think for a lot of them, they really do believe this stuff. And I think a lot of people additionally are then terrified into compliance. So um, is it a majority that are on board? Uh, I can't necessarily say, but I don't think I so. do. I think it's a, they have a big war on their hands. Like that's why they're pushing so hard and so fast right now. They, the majority of people are quiet about this stuff, but they hear a lot of this stuff and they're just like, hell no, hell no. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I, I like, I like to think that I, I think you're probably right as far as, um, regular average people. And I think that there's a lot of fault lines that are emerging where, um, a lot of the people that they have sort of created this um, reliant kind of pseudo, uh, it's not exactly middle class, but like a bureaucratic class, I think they've kind of indoctrinated and they've turned out against the rest of the regular people. So yeah, I, I think they have a lot of numbers. I, I think you're right, actually. I don't think it's a majority. Uh, I sincerely hope it's not. <laughs> uh, and I, I like to have more faith in humanity than that. Um, I mean, it's powerful when you're when you're fighting against human nature. That is, uh, you're you're never gonna really win that battle. You can try, you can do a lot of damage, but in the end, Mother Nature always wins. So I think that they may do a lot of damage. They they're going to go through the cycle. They have their course, but in the end, just like we see in all these uh, sci-fi dystopian movies, in the end, they always end up losing because Mother Nature always wins in the end. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I think that. Um Really, the key here is as long as um, the social programming, I, I think that's a, a very key insight, actually, because I think a lot of people maybe even think that they believe it um, and they've maybe even convinced themselves in some capacity. But then when you see there's a legitimate crisis or there's something that comes to a head, uh, like we saw with the coronavirus, when we weren't sure how serious it was going to be, a lot of this LGB nonsense just disappeared. Um, and that's because people recognized what was a possible uh, serious threat 
and once it kind of emerged that it was not really what it was being portrayed as now i'm not i don't mean to minimize um potential long-term effects about this and that people can get sick and have long-term autoimmune issues um and in fact i connect a lot of it to the sort of hiv aids uh, agenda that goes along with the transgender and the homosexual thing um as it actually dovetails with the uh covid um, research and vaccines and such um but actually the the key is that a lot of people will uh in the absence of this propaganda revert and i think that even if um you have a majority of people who at least superficially are on board with the project uh as you said mother nature kicks in and almost immediately all that stuff fades away and it's okay i need to protect myself i need to protect my friends my family the people i care about um, and it, so it, it requires constant maintenance. It's like with the hormones and the trannies. Mm-hmm. It required constant maintenance in order to keep the system up. And anything that kind of trips it up can create serious issues. And they're all about the interconnectivity, which means that if one part goes wrong, it can have serious effects elsewhere, as opposed to a more stable, uh, regular, healthy society where people are in touch with nature and people are having genuine organic reactions with their, with their neighbors. Um, and they're not so reliant on, on bureaucracies and supply chains and all of this other stuff. And, and like I said, God forbid you wanted to take matters into your own hands to improve yourself physically or mentally. They're trying to make that basically impossible. I mean, you can't get raw milk in a lot of States. You can't get all these things. It's brutally difficult to grow your own food in some areas, particularly urban environments. There are all these laws against having uh, about being able to grow certain things. And um, we see that this this is a drive to make us as uh, dependent on the system as possible. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to widen this war to anyone who uh, refuses to comply, whether it's vaccines or food or anything. They want you mentally, they want you emotionally, they want you spiritually, sexually, like they want it all. They want to control everything. Speaking of, of food and health and all that, I saw, I follow Dr. Mercola. I don't know if you know who that is, but he does a lot of really good work. And he was just added to a list of extremists on some hate watch group. Yeah, because he talks about, he talks about supplements and ways to improve your life naturally. And he's very good at his he has all these excellent products, but he's been taking on also the Great Reset, right? And kind of uh, putting an eye on that and bringing attention to it. So exactly, it's just the list of extremists is going to include people who want a family unit, people who just want to be masculine or feminine. I mean, there's no end to where this will go. It's crazy. But at the end of the day, if they expect that they can just have total control and people are just going to completely comply and get in the pod and all that, Human nature is one that we want to be free and we will do whatever we need to to break free and get freedom, you know. But I think that's why they're doing this kind of chemical neutering and these vaccines. They almost have to drug you and surgically alter you into accepting this uh, this wonderful, um, you know, communist global kumbaya culture that keeps saying that they're really uh, going to give us, right? It's just like the Soviet Union. They thought, what, what do they think they were going to get, you know, communism? Oh, free, free education and health care what do they get gulags <laughs> you know it never turns out how they say it's going to turn out what do you think about that they're trying to paint this picture like it's no poverty no hunger everyone is equal we're just looking out for you. you'll get a ubi you'll have a place to live i mean you want to worry about anything and you can watch netflix and porn it's all good what kind of future is it really going to be 
Right, right, exactly. And then uh, I, I believe they had said something to the effect of, I don't know if they're explicit about abolishing private property, but I do know Schwab has talked about yep. the uh, debt forgiveness. And then and part of the debt forgiveness and like, oh, your mortgage, you'll forgive that, but you can't own any private property. We we're just letting you use it. Yeah. And I, I think that's, yeah, that's the next step. It's sort of this weird, and that's why I, I mentioned the, the former neoliberal model, because I think they're, they're moving past that now of the hyper-consumption uh, neoliberal model. And it's kind of becoming this essentially, right, uh, this kind of globalized communism. But in this case, it's instead of uh, the state, it's more of transcending it in this sort of, um, uh, I, I don't really know how I would describe it. Uh, Schwab calls it a multi-stakeholder uh, um, type of, of system, but essentially, um, in this case, it's going to be a globalized system, which uh, essentially looks a lot like communism, although they keep a lot of the tenets of, of free market capitalism where it suits them. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether it's capitalism or communism. It always, uh, you know, however people want to get, uh, I think too many people get stuck into these uh, distinctions where they try to say, no, it's the it's the bankers. It can't be communist. And it's like, well, the, if you know the history of the Soviet Union and who financed the Red Revolution, the October Revolution there, uh, Kerry Bolton's done some good work on this. You see that it's Wall Street and it's these big financiers. So uh, it doesn't matter what road they take you down. The destination is always the same. And yes, yeah. you're right. It doesn't things like gulags. I mean, Canada's building uh, quarantine, supposed quarantine sites, which to me look a hell of a lot like gulags. And so th- these are the kinds of things that if you say this, of course, you get you get shut down and you get banned. But I mean, how soon do they say, well, you're, a, you're a, a public health threat because you refuse to wear a mask or you refuse to take a vaccine. So we need to put you in quarantine. We need to put you and that's in just it. In, in Canada, they actually said it was a, a politician who was questioning people in their parliament there of like they had a, a little clause for uh, it was quarantine for covid or for other reasons <laughs> or other purposes. So they could just say, oh, this thought criminal over here, let's let's put them in there while we're at it, while we're hauling off all these people that we claim have COVID, you know? Yeah. Oh, right. And the testing too, right? I mean, you see, uh, I saw this ridiculous story of the singer Erica Badu had COVID in her right nostril and, and didn't have it in her nostril. I mean, what's this testing that they're, that they're giving to people? I don't even know if it's a real thing. <sighs> Yeah, and now they're also introducing these things in, in Europe of like a health passport and you have to get the vaccine, right? A freedom pass in the UK where you take a certain amount of tests uh, and these tests, as we know, are, are faulty, like all these false positives and all these problems with these tests. But if you get negative COVID tests two a week, then you get this freedom pass and you get to enjoy these certain freedoms. It's amazing everything that they're using under the guise of this flu, essentially. Now we don't hear about any other any other killers. Like there isn't anything else that kills people. Well, it's just COVID-19. Oh, I'm sorry. It's going to be COVID-21, COVID-22. It's just, I mean, is it ever going to end? Right. I, and I, I think it's not going to. I think that they actually, now, we okay, so we know this virus is engineered in a lab. We know that Fauci's NIA was behind funding it. And we know all this stuff now. Was it intentionally released or did it get out accidentally? That I don't know. Um, but Schwab, again, in his COVID, he has a book, COVID-19, The Great Reset. So what conspiracy right. theory um, talks about not letting a crisis go to waste. And he tries to explicitly link climate change to COVID-19. He tries to explicitly, again, link all these things. But I also think that 
again, whether they did it on purpose or they just seized upon it, they hit on something. And in this case, it's the invisible enemy. The virus is the invisible enemy. And it's also, I'm reminded of that Smith song. I can't remember what he says, but if it's not love, it's the bomb that'll bring us together. It's the same idea that they're trying to push this one world, one humanity. We're all in this together. Remember all those ads? We're all in this together. We're all in this together. Yeah. Well, the is they want us to think that we're all one humanity it's all one kumbaya and we're all together fighting this disease and we're all taking precautions uh you know meanwhile do these people have big soirees they don't care biden uh, dance you know, parties in the streets and then they're on cnn talking about we need lists of all these trump supporters so we can haul them off what are we going to do with these 73 million people but he's we're coming together now right biden is bringing us together yeah oh yes. and, and that's all part of it i think with this election too because trump was said no more no lockdowns they need these lockdowns right it's a big part of this great reset so it's not going to end and i said i saw in your book you were talking about two exemptions right for trans and LGBTQ and pot groups, whatever, uh, during these lockdowns. Talk about that. Yeah, exactly. So apparently the, uh, you know, this very serious deadly virus with a 99.9% survival rate um, (laughs) that we have to rush a vaccine for. Anyway, apparently it doesn't transmit to people if they're protesting systemic racism. (laughs) Uh, I think at one point I, I referenced a letter from a bunch of these people that went out and it was basically saying that, you know, not only is white supremacy like an exacerbating factor of COVID, but like it, itself virus. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's where they're going next. The white people, I mean, you you white people don't hate yourself. You are the virus that needs to be nuked and gassed and hauled off and whatever else. Yeah. Or they're just right. so, and- they're just filled with so much love, so the virus can can't come into their body because they're just all <laughs> love light beams. Yeah, that's it, funny. exactly. I mean, a little known fact is if you wear rainbow uh, garb, you know, you won't get the virus. So that's but you know what's interesting is uh, then you turn around and you see, I believe it may have been Johns Hopkins was putting out something to the effect of, well, we need to give the vaccines to people of color first because it's a, it's a justice issue. Uh, so once again trying to get people lined up and, and, and volunteer essentially like, well, are you against systemic racism? You know, uh, you, you've been disadvantaged because of all this prejudice throughout your life. You might as well, you should, you should go to the front of the line and get your little shot here. And then oh, other okay. people are like, Oh no, this is eugenics. They're trying to kill them off. Like you can't win, you know, give them the shot. <laughs> don't give them the shot, you know, screwed either way there. It takes on a life of its own. And I mean, that may be one of the things that ends up bringing the whole regime down is they can't control all the ridiculousness. I mean, people are going nuts, uh, you know, and it may just completely collapse of the fact that people are just go, they're just, they're literally driving people insane with their, mm-hmm. with their gaslighting. Um, you know, I don't foresee that as possible, but um, you never know. Uh, you know, stranger things as we've seen in the last year have certainly happened. So. Yeah, and let me tell you, though, we have every reason to be paranoid about this vaccine, thinking of all these things and all these things they're tinkering around with and all their agendas and how just uh, psychotic and insane these elites are. So don't get the jab. <laughs> you know, don't do it, whatever you do. Now, do you think it's going to come down to that in, in uh, America? They're, they're going to do mandatory vaccines? I mean, they're going to have huge, massive pushback, if so. I think um, I think what they'll do is they'll essentially make it so that you have to get it without saying that it's mandatory. You can't go um, shop so you have, here. You can't work here. You can't fly here like that, right? Right. You can't come back to work if you don't get it. But now you can't. You have to be on site. Uh, you can't get unemployment if you don't have it. You can't. Uh, I think I believe it was Live Nation said you can't come to any of our concerts if you don't have uh, evidence of. Uh, I can't Ticket remember if it was a. Nation. 
Yeah. Or master. Um, I can't remember if it's the vaccine or a negative test, but uh, either way, it's headed the direction of not having, if you don't have the vaccine, you can't go. Um, so I think basically what will happen is for all intents and purposes, even if it's not mandated by the government, which I don't think they'll do, because I think for that reason that you said people will, if it's too blatant, uh, people will rebel against it en masse. And that's the whole pretense of democracy. That's the whole their whole system. But that's the government will hide behind the private companies argument while they're giving like special deals and things to companies who do comply with all this vaccination business. Right. Yes, it can yeah, be very absolutely. slow. That's why it's going to be important, I think, to be in a state where a, a certain state and well, let's face it, a red state. Like it's funny how now it's more Republicans or Trump supporters that are skeptical of this vaccine, even though it's, you know, warp speed, Trump's warp speed vaccine, total idiotic. You know, he used to be critical of vaccines, by the way. I think it's just a lot of pressure put on him by, you know, you have to have this vaccine, whatever. But now it's a lot of leftists and liberals who are ready to get the vaccine. They love it. They're not uh, skeptical of it. They're not talking about my body, my choice and all that. So it's going to be important to be in a state that values uh well, people's freedom to choose about this vaccine. And, and I think red states are probably going to be better about that and business owners in those states. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you see those things, even some of the um, uh, some of the battleground states, I guess you could call it, where there's a heavy impulse towards, um, you know, more individual sovereignty, like, you know, places like Pennsylvania and up through, uh, you know, in those types of places, I think you'll see those as major fault lines as well. Um, but you're right, we saw basically in the hands of a little bit of power what these, mid, I call them mid-level functionaries, your Gretchen Whitmers and these types of people, the things that they're willing to do uh, in order to keep their the, the grip on power. Now, do they overextend and go too far? I think the elites want them, and I use elites sarcastically, because um, they're at the top, but they're certainly not elite. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, they, uh, you know, I, I think that the key with that is... Um, you know, they want a light-ish touch. Um, and that's why you want, say, a Biden as opposed to someone who's a bit more draconian. You have to make it seem, you have to kind of have a threat of coercion there, but you have to have as much of a, a you consenting to do it as possible. I mean, they're not above putting a gun in your back and making you do stuff. I mean, look what they did in Little Rock in the 50s when they had the racial integration yeah. thing. So no matter what happens, they're going to make sure that uh, you do it, but they want to get the majority of people to sort of be duped into doing it. And so it has the illusion of free will, the illusion of choice. Uh, and I think that that, again, that's how they best maintain their power. That's right. That's how this works. Well, we're on to it. Now, before I tell people how to get the book, because you guys all do support this, support this author. He's done a great job. He's put a lot of work into a lot of good research. Uh, buy it, share it with your family and friends. So tell us how they can get the book. And I also wanted to see if there's anything that we forgot, something else that we need to know and people need to know about. Juicy uh, nugget there. Well, okay. Well, um, I would say for sure, uh, if people want to go to Amazon, they can get it. Um, I would suggest they go to antelopehillpublishing.com to get the paperback. Uh, we are coming out with a, a hardcover, I think, in January. Uh, and there is an ebook form as well. But I would go to Antelope Hill Direct um, to, to acquire the book uh, if you live in the U.S., certainly. Uh, the, it, it, it's more money for the publisher, and they're very brave for putting out this kind of material. I mean, most people wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole, even though it needs to be said. Uh, if people are listening and they're outside the U.S., I believe it will be expedited. It'll be quicker for them 
uh, and less expensive shipping wise if they do Amazon. So um, just trying to be conscientious of people's, um, you know, uh, money. So I, th I think that if you're international, you should go Amazon. If you're domestic as in, in the United States, just go to antelopehillpublishing.com and just get it from there. Um, uh, in January as, is when the hardcover is coming out. I, I, um, uh, as far as um, as far as other things, though, that we haven't covered, um, I would just say, you know, it's not necessarily in the book. I would definitely encourage people to get this book. You know, I, I spent a lot of time on it and I wouldn't have done it if I didn't feel moved to, uh, you know, to, to really get this word out there because I don't think anyone has gone to this. Uh, it's going to make me sound a little cocky, I guess, here, but um, I don't think anyone has gone to this um, degree of looking at the agenda in all of its no, nope, I haven't seen it. It's very holistic. Yeah, well done. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, and I would just say that uh, I would encourage people to, in general, just try to become as self-reliant uh, as possible and to decouple themselves from this system and to reconnect with family and friends if they've become estranged and to just build on things in the old foundational way that that's how you create durable um, that's how you that's how we come out of the ruins of this I think you, you, you cannot um, buy into their lies you can't take the shots you can't sacrifice your sovereignty to these people uh, and, and and when the system of its own uh, excess falls apart that's where you will be with the necessary skills in the real world doing things like being take over again <laughs> in the future yeah exactly it's, yeah, re it's think, really like having a parallel society we talk about that forming that now so of course you have a foot in this system but meanwhile we have to be building something outside of it or we have a network of people who can essentially survive this stuff and survive outside of it yes a, a thousand percent and i would encourage people to find alternate ways of communication, such as uh, get, get a ham radio license, for example, and learn how to do that. Things that um, uh, Tom Kaczynski mentions this a lot is, is uh, the way to beat. Uh, uh, he references the fourth, fourth dimensional warfare in terms of low tech beating high tech, but also fifth dimensional warfare, as, as he calls it, which is basically having uh, faith in a higher, you know, he, he refers to it as faith in God, but um, if that's not necessarily your bag, faith in nature and your your fellow. Oh, definitely. It's important. Yeah. To, to build something important uh, for our civilization. If you're not religious, I, I think that faith aspect is very important. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, know you're fighting for good over evil. Well, thank you, Scott. I think that's a good place to end it. It's, uh, it was great getting to know you and introducing you to everyone. So I encourage everyone to please support him, get the book. You can get it on Amazon or just go to Antelope uh, Publishing. We'll have the links there. So thank you so much. Thank you. The long-term agenda and all the pieces that fit into it are becoming clear with each passing day. And COVID will always be remembered as the event that brought it all together. People who do not have your best interest, humanity's best interest in mind, want control of your thoughts, emotions, body, sexuality, and spirituality, and they are inverting, perverting reality and doing a lot of damage in order to get it. But knowledge is power, and so is the force of truth and of nature. We must do what we need to, to navigate around this beast that wants to ensnare us. Our eyes are wide open. Love you all and thank you for your continued support, which we greatly need right now, as this beast is trying everything to stop us from being here. Supporting RedIceMembers.com is the best way to help us do our part to fight back against the lies and wicked agenda. See you on the next one.
you love Red Ice? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a Red Ice membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews, and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew! We love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like Red Ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.